Hi, this is Bull from the Bull and Crow Show. We haven't done our podcast for many years now, but um, both Bull and Crow are still around and we want to still provide some content to people. And um, But I'm recording this podcast alone and I kind of want to start a, a small series of podcasts going over um, something that's very personal and something that everybody can relate to at some point in their life. Um, it has to do with uh, one of your parents who gets very sick, possibly, and who is probably going through the process of dying. So, of course, this is going to be a very serious podcast and um, something very personal to me. My mother is very sick right now and is um, has been in the hospital for about five or six weeks, over five weeks. Um, and she actually has made a lot of improvement. But um, she's had some issues that I don't know if she'll be able to recover from, honestly. So I kind of wanted to record um, the thoughts and process, the processes that are going on with me as I'm dealing with this. And um, I know I was curious when I was younger about what am I going to do when one of my parents gets sick and I have to deal with this situation. You know, of course, it's always something that you think about. And um, I wondered even if I could handle it. And I'm sure a lot of people feel the same way. You know, if you wonder if you can even do this or, or survive something like your parent dying. Um, and you know, my, my mom is, um, very sick. She's, she's expected to make a recovery and everything right now. So, uh, I don't want this to be a grim podcast really. Like I want to post this in the hopes that she's going to recover. Uh, she came very close to um to death about two weeks ago and uh she's done pretty remarkably well in the last two weeks um given her condition two weeks ago so um but you know it's um it's a very positive thing that she's done so well although her life is going to be dramatically changed um, if she does survive and get out of the hospital and everything. So um, I thought it was important enough for me to put this down as a record. And um, as a first podcast, I think I want to go over um, the notes of things that have happened over the last 
month and a half. Uh, really longer than that because she's been sick for a while. Uh, she only got seriously sick um, about a month for for about a month. So um, what I might do in this podcast is kind of go over the background and um, also go over the notes that I've taken. So um, I've been visiting her every day pretty much uh, in the hospital, and um, I'll just go over what it's been like and what I've expected and, and what, uh, what the feelings have been day to day. And so what I'll do is I'll just give you a background of my mom and give you um, the notes that I've been taking so far because I've been pretty much the primary person dealing with her decisions and her uh, care uh, by nurses and doctors since she's been in the hospital. So I am a uh, her youngest son. Um, I have an older brother who um, is concerned, obviously. He's, he's involved. He's not been there every day with her, but he's been talking to her and visiting um, when he can. Um, and uh, he, she also, my mom has a husband who is um, older. He's uh, 87 years old. And um, my mom is 72. And my mom has been through a lot. You know, she's had a lot of health issues over the last, I'd say, about 16 years. Um, starting when she was 57, she had her first heart attack. And um, it's a pretty big deal. And we dealt with that, and she recovered and had bypass surgery and all that stuff that goes along with that. Cut to having, you know, knee replacement surgery and um, all different kinds of surgery. She just had um, rotator cuff. Oh, that's not a major thing, but, you know, she's she's dealt with a lot besides the cardiovascular stuff, the, the heart stuff. And um, about two years ago, though, was the major kind of turning point, I would say, in her health. Um, my mom was living a fairly normal life for the last 15 years after her bypass. And about two years ago, she had um, a stroke. About, I would say about 28 months ago, about two years and four months ago. Um, she had a stroke that really kind of didn't limit her in the normal way that you think a stroke would. Like it, you think of a stroke and it would, you'd think like her face gets droopy and, um, you know, physical things like that. So my mom did have some physical limitations after that stroke, but it was more uh, mental or cognitive, I guess. So <clears throat> after that stroke, uh, leading up to the stroke, 
she had issues with um, her diabetes. She also has diabetes, and she would get lost when she would drive. So um, it was happening so often that you know we were really concerned about her, and she would call almost every day, call me most of the time, and ask me where she was. You know, and it was hard. It's hard to answer her because I don't know where you are. You know, you're driving. Uh, she would try to describe the places that she was around, you know. And so I would try to find on, like, Google Maps. Okay, so you're near a Taco Bell and a Walmart. And, um, you know, you see a street sign that says uh, Broad Street. And so, like, I, I would figure out, oh, you're you're in this part of town, or you're even in a different city. So she would actually drive herself to a different city sometimes. Uh, that's how lost she would get. So after that, um, this is still before the stroke. Um, she went in the hospital for kind of an in infection, like sepsis type thing. Um, she just had a high fever. She she kind of pulled over to the side of the road, and uh, I think she may have pulled into the ditch, actually. So she kind of wrecked her car. Uh, people were concerned, so they called the police, and she made it to the hospital, um, where they just basically said she's got an infection. You know, she's um, septic a little bit. Not a serious, like, um, infection, but it was pretty serious, you know, to where she was, she ran a high fever and everything. She recovered from that and got out of the hospital. Um, and she made it home and it was kind of a thing where we were considering, you know, Hey, maybe you shouldn't drive anymore because you're getting lost all the time. And we didn't know if it was her blood sugar or if it was this infection thing that was, she was dealing with. Uh, it was kind of a weird thing. This, this was about two and a half years ago. Um, so we just let her go for a while. Um, we kind of considered, you know, just me and her husband, my stepdad, talking about what what should we do about her driving? She's either getting lost or she's, you know, getting really sick where she can't drive and she has to pull over or, or something like that. It's really weird. Um, so November of 2019, she called my brother and said that she felt like she was having a stroke. And she eventually called me too and said the same thing. My brother made it there. Uh, I live a lot further away, so I couldn't make it there as quickly as he could. Um, and she did have a stroke. So um, she didn't get admitted to the hospital during that time. But they confirmed the stroke later, um, and 
she seemed like she was doing okay. She started going to see a vascular doctor who was looking at her carotid artery and how blocked it was. And it was pretty much completely blocked. One, one side was completely blocked. And the other side was uh, pretty severely blocked. So they decided that they were going to do surgery and try to clear that other side. The, the one that was 100% blocked, you really can't do anything about that anymore. So um, they did the surgery and cleared it up. Six months later, she had to have another surgery to clear it up again. Actually, they put a stent in the second time. <clears throat> and um, since then, she's had regular checkups every six months and is doing pretty good as far as her carotid artery issues. So, uh, I know I kind of went off talking about her health, about that issue for a long time, but I kind of want to get to the point where she is now. So now, she has another sepsis situation where she's she has an infection. So let me start by saying that back in November, late November of 2021, she um, got really delirious. So she kind of, uh, one day, and I, this is going to be another kind of long story, so just fair warning on that. Um, I, she had a doctor's appointment with the carotid artery doctor. So I took her to that appointment. And she had a lot of trouble walking. And she lately she had been having trouble walking and, and needed a walker um, to get around. And so I helped her to the doctor, got her there, and um, got a checkup. Everything actually was really good with that checkup. The, the carotid artery doctor said, you know, you're... Um, your blockage is about the same, hasn't increased at all in the last six months. It's great. So, But she was really, really not feeling well. I could tell she was like putting her head down when she was having to wait, standing up for anything. Um, and so we got out of, the, out of the doctor's office, got to my car, and she fell. And so I had to pick her up to get her back into my... Into the, uh, passenger seat of my car to bring her home. And I knew something was really off with her, of course. So um, got her home, and she couldn't make it up the, the three stairs to get up to the uh, the rest of the house at her house. It's, it's one of those houses that has like a a downstairs den, and then like, like three stairs to get up to the kitchen and, and the rest of the house. Um... So, so she has, you know, like an even area, like a, a level area to get around in the downstairs den from the, from getting out of the house. And then you got those three stairs to get up to the rest of the house. So she couldn't get up those three stairs. So she actually ended up falling and we had to get my stepbrother uh, to come over and help her 
me and him picked her up and got her in a wheelchair and got her through the front door of the house, which leads up to the regular uh, level of the house. So she was fine. She was situated, uh, got her in bed. And um, that's another thing I should say is that ever since her stroke, she's been really like bedridden almost where she likes to just stay in bed. And that was something that was really new. Um, I tried to tell her that she needs to be on her feet, you know, even if she doesn't leave the house, she can't really drive. She, she stopped driving. Uh, but she just needed to be on her feet and out of the bed and have a regular day, things like that. But she kind of stayed in bed most of the day. So I already knew that was going to be an issue. Uh, you're, you know, staying in bed most of the day. You're not doing anything to strengthen yourself. So <clears throat> I knew that was going to be a problem. But anyway, going back to the day that she fell, everything. She went to bed that night, and my stepdad tells me that she was up for a while, but then she fell asleep around, I don't know, 9 or 10 o'clock that night and um, slept all day, you know, like slept overnight and I called to check on her the next day and she was still asleep and it was like lunchtime. So I was a little bit concerned, uh, concerned enough to where I called back a couple hours later and checked on her and she was still asleep. So I said, okay, um, two o'clock in the afternoon, she's still asleep. If she's still asleep, like around five o'clock when I get off work, uh, I'm going to come over and check on her. So called back and yeah, she was still asleep. So around five o'clock I went over there and she was just passed out snoring and she's not a big, like she snores, but not not seriously snores. And she was pretty seriously snoring. Um, <clears throat> she doesn't have like um, any issues with, um, what is it? Um, she doesn't need a CPAP or anything like that to, to go to sleep. Um, she doesn't have apnea. She doesn't have sleep apnea. N- none of that. So anyway, I got concerned and I stayed with her for a while, tried to wake her up. Wouldn't wake up. Not really. I mean, she would wake up for like a, a few seconds and I would, I tried to give her some water because she hadn't had any medicine and she takes a lot of medicine. Um, hadn't had any medicine in over 24 hours, none of her blood pressure medicine, none of that. So, um, I ended up calling the paramedics and they came and they said, Oh, this is definitely like a um, urinary tract infection. So they took her to the hospital, treated her for infection, antibiotics, released her. She she got better, you know. She was in the hospital for about two weeks, but uh, and after that, she was in um, 
a rehab facility for about two weeks. So total, and she was like, you know, complaining the whole time after that. After she was better from being sick uh, in the hospital, she was basically back to her old self complaining, hey, I want to I be home. I don't want to be here. Um, pretty good sign. You know, just like, you know, obviously, you don't, you don't want to be in a hospital. You don't want to be in a nursing home slash rehab facility for very long. So it all made sense. She gets home. She, she actually got home on Christmas Eve and got to spend Christmas. Actually, I got a call about, I think it was around nine or 10 o'clock in the morning on Christmas day. Hey, please come over to mom's house because, uh, she fell and she can't get up. So she just got home the day before from rehab to try to help her walk again. And she fell the next day, couldn't get up. <clears throat> so, you know, of course, that's totally fine. I'll come over and help her up. My brother came uh, and my nephew and everybody's been really, really great about helping her. She gets up and we get her into bed and open Christmas presents in front of her while she's in the bed, all that stuff. Um, so about a week passes and my daughter's birthday is about a week after Christmas. So <coughs> I know that we, we have a big birthday party for my daughter cause it's her 16th birthday party. And it's one of those big parties that I wish my mom could come to, but I knew she wasn't in any shape to come. So I just told her about it. I took a lot of videos, pictures, told her about it. And um, she understands, you know, can't come to it. Um, the next day after her birthday, after my daughter's birthday, um, she, I, I bring some food over to her house from the party just, you know, hey, have some some of this cake, have some uh, other food that we had at the party and stuff like that. She seemed pretty good, but she said she didn't feel very good. So she was still in bed. And um, she just, you know, she said, you know, just leave it in the fridge. So I left. And then about two hours later, I get a call from the, the person that comes and helps clean the house um, and takes care of my mom, too, ends up taking care of my mom. Um, and she says, please come back over. You know, there's something wrong with your mom. So I came back over, and she was really out of it, you know, just like not talking right, not, not thinking straight, uh, was sitting in a chair but wasn't really doing anything properly. You know, like couldn't go to the, she needed to go to the bathroom. She couldn't get up to go to the bathroom. Couldn't stand up, couldn't get around. And she was just really sick. So I ended up 
thinking, hey, if, if this is another urinary tract infection, which she went to the hospital with before, and I'd been giving her, like, putting in her medicine for, she takes, like, so much medicine, I, I do her planner, and I've been putting in um, some cranberry supplements to help with the uh, UTI, um, thinking that that would help, but I was thinking if this is another UTI or something like that, we can get her to the hospital quick. They'll nip it in the bud quicker than they did last time because she spent a whole day asleep um, before. And she'll get out of the hospital pretty quick. So I went ahead and called the paramedics. And they came and got her. And said, and the paramedics at the time said, yeah. Oh, yeah, this is another urinary tract infection. <clears throat> and it probably was. It probably was like an infection. So, you know, off to the hospital she went. This was January 4th. All right. So my mom gets to the hospital. And it has now been... Today is February 12th. And she's been in the hospital since January 4th. So it's been 31 plus 8, 39 days. 39 days in the hospital. Um, and about, like I said earlier, two weeks ago was a critical point. Um, <clears throat> she didn't... The doctor said, didn't think that she would survive the week, two weeks ago. Um, and today, well, in that, in that one week since two weeks ago, in, in the last week before this week, she recovered remarkably, remarkably well. Uh, she did, well, basically she turned around quite a bit not not to where she's like walking out of the hospital but she did really well so and in the last week it's been about mm, I would say about the same so she hasn't really improved and she hasn't really gotten worse but she did move she did get released from the primary hospital she was in and she's in a she's in a rehab facility slash tr tracheostomy facility, so she did end up having um, pretty bad infection that kind of moved around, and in the I, I don't think I'm going to do it in this episode, but in the next episode I'll probably read the. All, all the comments that I've made every day. Um, so, right now she is very tired. She's anxious when she's awake. And she's very, very sleepy and out of it when she's sleepy. Uh, I think they're giving her medicine for 
to keep her asleep or to help her sleep. But uh, she's been through a lot. And I'll just kind of overview what she had. Had an infection. Treated it with antibiotics. Apparently the antibiotics were enough to give her uh, C. diff. Which is a very serious um, colon infection. And so they were looking at that. <clears throat> Once they recognized that it was C. diff, then they started giving her a specific antibiotic that treats that infection, C. diff. And it was helping. So they were, they were really concerned on a Wednesday that she might have to have surgery to remove her colon. And they didn't have to do that emergency surgery that day, but they did end up having to do it about four days later. So they did remove her colon, gave her an ileostomy. And, um, so treating her with those same antibiotics for weeks after that, uh, seemed that the C. diff was gone, but then her swelling, she swelled so much and the swelling seemed to have caught, uh, seems to have caused like <clears throat> just a, a general infection with her. So she developed pneumonia. And she's been fighting pneumonia for a couple of weeks now. And <clears throat> she did pretty well, actually. She, like, the pneumonia was bad. And it was enough for them to say about two weeks ago that uh, we can make her comfortable and take out the ventilator and just let her pass away. Um, and they talked to me about that and my mom was not conscious enough to talk to her about that. And it was something that was kind of surreal to think about or to experience really. Um, you, th you think that your mom just came in with a urinary tract infection, you know, and, um, then they're talking to you about making her comfortable. And, uh, it's a weird, it's a weird thing to go through, but, you know, you try for me, uh, I like to try to be pretty rational about things and, and make the best decision as I can. <clears throat> so I try to collect as much information and, and all that stuff. And I'm kind of a dork about data. So I tried to inform myself and see what the best options were and um, list out the options and um, be organized with it and talk to other people that knew a lot more about this situation than I did and get their advice, get, get lots of advice, you know. So... Uh, talk to my family. And, um, so like, you know, two weeks ago from today was really tough. And it was something that was unexpected. You know, it was, 
you know, she, yeah, you know, she had already had the um, colectomy where they take out her colon and they're recovering from that. And then she was on the ventilator from the surgery and tried to take off of the ventilator and then put back on the ventilator and then take off the ventilator and then put back on the ventilator. <clears throat> and apparently there's a three strike rule for ventilators that I didn't know about. I don't know if this is widely accepted or widely known or what, what the deal is with it. But if you try to get off a, ven a ventilator and you fail and they have to put the ventilator back on you in an, an emergency situation, um, that's one strike. Basically. I mean, it's, it's, um, It's concerning because you can't survive without that ventilator for longer than... My mom couldn't survive without it for longer than a day. Um, and so she crashed and had to be put back on. And um, that happens twice. And that third time that you're on the ventilator, they kind of lose hope. Well, in, in my case, doctors kind of lost hope. So they said, <clears throat> we tried to remove her from the ventilator twice, and we had to put her back on twice. And that means she's not coming off again. So... We can either make her comfortable and remove the ventilator and let her survive as long as she can, or we can keep her on the ventilator for up to about 10 days. And if she's still doing okay, then put a tracheostomy and, and put the ventilator in the tracheostomy to, you know, it's a little bit more comfortable and also less risk of infection than through the mouth. So that's what we ended up doing. I said, well, I talked to my, like my mom became conscious and was talking to me a little bit the next day. <clears throat> and I told her, I broke the news to her. Basically, I was like, mom you have to decide whether or not you want to live like this or, you know, if you want to recover or if this is too much and you want to, you know, um, I mean, I, I put it pretty bluntly. I, I basically said, if you want to give up, if you don't want to try anymore and if you want them to make you comfortable and just let you go, uh, they can do that. Uh, and it's to that point now. <clears throat> and uh, in, in this podcast, I'm going to be, in this series, I'm going to be talking about my mom and my mom's personality a little bit. My mom's personality is probably a lot different than your mom's personality. Um, I just assume. Because my mom is a jokester. She is a... Um, kind of an immature 
person, even though she's in her 70s. Um, she's not, she doesn't take things seriously, generally. Um, she doesn't, you know, like things that are really dire and grave, she doesn't understand that at all, it seems like, to me. So, you know, even though her life is at risk, she doesn't really comprehend that, to me. So, um, just, you know, keep that in mind as I talk about my mom. You know, she's, I think at this point, when I told her that information, was the first time that she really seemed to take something seriously like that. You know, she, coming from me though, it didn't seem that way. Like she still wasn't convinced that this was dire because I can, I can be over dramatic and pretty much I overreact to things like this. I understand that. But when the palliative nurse came in, and if you don't know what a palliative nurse is, it's the nurse that comes that explains to you your quality of life options. And she says something like, he or she says something like, basically what I just said, you know, we can make you comfortable and you can pass away or you can continue to fight, and that's up to you. And, you know, what do you want to do? So, in a nutshell, and it's a long discussion, and it's a, it's a weird discussion. You know, being there while you're talking to your mom about that with, with the nurse is a weird discussion. Um, because you, you see your mom, well, for me, you see your mom seem to be more serious than normal because I think she understands how bad the situation is at that point. It's not coming from you. It's not coming from her son <clears throat> who tends to try to explain things more seriously to her because I know she won't take it seriously, you know? So coming from a nurse who has no, no skin in the game, she doesn't know your mom, but she's, got a white coat on and she um, looks serious and she seems very um, comforting almost in a weird way you know like in a, in a overly comforting way um, tell her about her options um, she took it seriously so she said she wants to live. She didn't want to die yet. So we didn't take the tracheostomy out. We didn't take the ventilator off. Um, and that's where I'm going to leave this podcast right now. All right. Thank you for listening. And um, I guess next podcast, I'm going to go over the notes that I took. Um, every day that I've visited my mom, I... I wrote some notes down about her condition and I'll just talk about that and maybe talk about other stuff too. All right.
Thanks.